For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Tiger fans, welcome to episode 41 of the official Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club podcast, bringing you all the latest news, updates, and buzz surrounding your mighty JSU Tigers. I am the Corey C. Be sure to download and subscribe to the podcast to be notified of all new episodes. Apple users, rate and review the show, and everyone, follow Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club on Facebook and Tiger Talk 1400 on Twitter. It all helps the cause, which is the I love, Jackson State University. Joining me today is the head men's basketball coach, Wayne Brent. Welcome to the show, Coach, and thank you for coming on. Appreciate you having me. All right, my pleasure, my pleasure. How is everything going for you? I know there's a lot going on out there in the world, so how how is Coach Wayne Brent and his family doing? You know, everybody everybody doing great, uh, I guess the last three or four months we've been kind of at home working from home. So that's been kind of different from uh, years in the past. So you, you kind of had to figure out how to do rec- recruiting, how to keep up with your your guys that are that are at home, uh, how to check on them to make sure they're, they're working out, uh, taking out, finishing online classes, uh, getting ready to start some online class. So that part was a, a, a little different, but uh, from a standpoint, of somebody getting advantage on you, you know, everybody uh, wear the same, you, you know, your Texas Southern, your Alabama State, your Alabama A&M, uh, your Alcorns, all of them had to do the same thing. So it, it wasn't a big factor as far as anybody getting ahead of, ahead of the other person. Absolutely. All right. And uh, you've been coaching for a long time, and you probably don't experience too many firsts at this point. I'd imagine this was your first time. Uh, this was the first for you in terms of being away from your players for uh, such an extended period of time due to this COVID-19 and players not being able to get in the normal workout. So what has that been like for you? You know what? Uh, this is probably somewhere 30, 31 years uh, into coaching, uh, spanning from high school to college to, to, to different schools. But this is the first time that I've uh, experienced something like this where, it just everything just completely shut down. You know, all gyms shut down, all conditioning shut down. So, uh, you know, even the classroom shut down other than online, but just going physically going to class and being on campus, all of that shut down. So uh, I, I think it made us have to be creative as, as, as coaches, uh, assistant coaches, head coaches, uh, even even your players. So uh, it was different. Uh, you know, once we got a chance to adjust to uh, everything that was going on and once we figured out that, it was going to last for a little bit longer than what, what we were expecting. I think everybody kind of adjusted and, and, and got, uh, uh, got got where they needed to be. And then how were you able to commun- communicate with the guys throughout all this? You know what, normally I'm a, I'm a big texter and, and caller, so what I would normally do with, with our guys, uh, I would take uh, each Monday and uh, I would go through all of our, our recruits, all of our new guys, and then on Tuesday, 
I would spend that time with our, our older guys. I'm not a big Zoom person, so I would prefer just to pick up the phone and call you or, or text you. So I'm a little bit different. I know a lot of a lot of coaches enjoy the Zoom because you can kind of get everybody at the same time, but I'm more of a one-on-one person and uh, try to see how a kid is doing, how, how his family is doing, and that way you get to spend that one-on-one time with him instead of the, with, with the group group of time. Right. And with this, with all of this being so new, what were your expectations of the players uh, in terms of working out and staying in shape, and how were you able to monitor that? You know what? Uh, it's really hard to monitor because, you know, guys at home, he's, he's doing what he wants to do. And uh, even if it's a guy that works out every day and he gets in there and he, he, he wants to be a person that, 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 that works out daily, it's even hard for him to work out because all of your gyms were shut down. It was the only thing that you really could do was pretty much go outside and, and maybe run or, or dribble a ball up and down the, down the street. Or if you had a goal outside, you could kind of do that. But, if, you know, nowadays uh, playing outside is something that kids don't do. Uh, right. This generation has moved to more inside, where when I was playing it was inside and out. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when you, you when we had the, virus, the pandemic hit and, uh, the gyms were taken away, the conditioning places were taken away, the weight rooms were taken away. Uh, I think kids had to be a little bit more creative. And, you know, I mean, how many guys do you know that just want to get out and, 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 and go run or get out in front of the house and dribble basketball? So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure most right. guys didn't do that. Uh, but we still tried to what we – I think what, what we covered was we got to communicate with each other better outside of uh outside of our particular sport. Right. All right. Good stuff. And you ended last season on the upswing, winning uh ten out of the last thirteen and I think it was a five game winning streak to, to close out the season. And you guys were it seemed like you were gelling at the right time then obviously the season was snatched away from you and you didn't get a chance to make that run in the SWAC tournament that I know you were looking forward to. Is it possible to uh for that momentum to carry over in the next season or do you think it's gonna be a wash and you'll be kinda of starting over from scratch? You know, I, I think we got five or six guys coming back. We got three starters back from last year, and then we got three or four guys who, who started some games uh, where they started five or six games or came off the bench and played 15 or 16 minutes. So we got six solid guys coming back uh, to add to the guys that, that we recruited and brought in. So those those guys, you know, were, were on the team and they were a big part of the team, and they, they understood. I think the big thing for them is they understood that basketball can be taken away from them at any moment. And I think when they come back, I, I think it will be easier to get them to work and to get them to focus in on their goals or team goals because now you got something that you can use that they've been through that they understand now that when coach says, man, this is your last game or this is your last season, or this, can, this, this, this can be taken away from you at any moment. They they have been through it, so I think you can get their attention from from that. And you mentioned, you know, you have several guys coming in, and we definitely want to talk about that recruiting class in a second. But uh, first, how did that pandemic affect how you and your staff had to go about recruiting? What was different with that? You know, I, I, just 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 getting on the phone and watching film. Normally, at the end of the season, uh, you you have all of your your terms, your JUCO terms, your your high, your high school state championships. Uh, uh, even your your, uh, your your JUCO All-American camps, uh, high school camps that kids go to uh, just for that one last time to, to try to get, to get coaches to look at them. So, so when that got cut out, it tossed everything into uh, you got to get on the phone and call the, uh, head, the, the high school coach. You got to call uh, the AAU coach. We're responsible for 
uh, getting in touch with that kid or whoever uh, the kid out there that, that that you can get out and recruit. You know, you had to do all of that stuff. So, uh, you know, this was the first time that we really had to sit down and actually watch a game for kids because we couldn't actually go physically go to the game and watch them. So it was more so get on the iPad or get on the computer and, and watch four games of, of kids playing. And, and, and basically that was the only way you could recruit them. And let, so let's talk about some of those guys that you are bringing in. Let's start with the guy who's, who's very intriguing, goes by the name of Ding Bowl, a 6'3", junior college transfer out of Cali College in, in Kansas. What will he bring to the table? You know, I, I think Ding is a, a 6'3", athletic kid that can play on both ends of the floor. Uh, he, he's a kid that offensively he, he can handle the ball, he can knock down the, the open three-point shot. I think the best part about his, his, his basketball game is his energy and his effort uh, on that defensive end, he's, he's a guy that's always on the tag. He he uh, defends the other team's uh, best offensive threat. Uh, he, he's just a high motor guy that loves to play basketball, and and he doesn't have have to have the basketball in his hand in order for him to play. And when you can get get guys that don't need the ball or don't need to score to be motivated to play, those are special kids because they 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 play for the passion of the game. And and you know as a coach. I, 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 for one, I enjoy coaching guys uh, 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 that come to the floor and play the game the right way. Absolutely. And, Coach, while I have you, I, I want you to clear something up for us. Uh, a couple of the guys in the group chat, we're going back and forth on this. Some of them say or they think that Ding Bowl is, relate, is related to Manute Bowl. Now, I say he's not, so I want to hear from you. Is, is Ding Bowl related to Manute Bowl, the late, great Manute Bowl? <laughs> He's he's actually not related to you know that was one of the things when I first saw the name that was the first thing that I thought about and that was the first thing that I asked him and right. his coach he he told me he he they are not related. Okay, all right, there you go, there you have it. All right, we also have an Eastern Kentucky transfer, Darius Hicks, six eight forward, and and this kid was a three star uh, recruit coming out of Quitman High School a few years ago, and he originally signed with North Carolina State. So talk to us about him. You know, Darius Hicks is a, a big, strong, athletic kid, another Mississippi kid. You know, you always like to get uh, those kids from Mississippi. Uh, you know, we, we're in Jackson, so your fan base can can relate to those guys because they've, they've seen them in high school, uh, and, and then they're following them. You know, if they, they went off to college or another school, and then they're coming back. But you're talking about a 6'7", six, 6'8", six, older kid who's been to two schools. He's been to uh, North Carolina State, and he's been to East Kentucky. He's a, a, a graduate transfer, so... He has some college uh, experience. It's not like you'll be getting a high school guy. You'll be getting a guy who's played uh, at the highest level. You're talking about playing at your Dukes and your North Carolinas, uh, your right. Wake Forests, or uh, Clemson. So he, he's a guy that's played against uh, great competition. I think he'll be a perfect fit for what we're trying to do. You know, we, we have Jay McKinnis back inside from, from last year. And I think he'll complement uh, uh, him very well because he's another athletic big that, that can get up and down the floor and play above the rim. All right, another guy with some experience, uh, the Marion Taz Smith, Duco transfer out of Des Moines area CC, six uh, five guard. What do you like about him? You no, know, Taz is a long, athletic kid, uh, another high motor kid, and you know when you look at look at our teams in the past, you know the, those are the kids that that we won with uh, kids that come in and your Paris Collins, your, your Gator Worsham. Uh, you know, your Julius is noble, your Yetre Specs, uh, those guys who, who have that motor, Trayshawn Boulder, Trayshawn uh, guys who you put on the floor that love to play, whether they're on offense or defense. He's one of those guys, you know, talking about probably a 6'5 guy. He's going to remind a lot of, lot of folks of Paris Collins. Uh, 
You know, we hmm. played at the same junior college as Paris, Paris College over okay. at Iowa D, over at DMEC. Uh, but he reminds, uh, he reminds me a lot of Paris, long arm, athletic kid uh, that can knock down the jump shot, can get to the basket, has a high motor, uh, and, and, and loves to play on the defensive end. Coach, I'm seeing a lot of size, a lot of experience with this class. Uh, another six, seven, forward out of Meridian CC, Daryl Jordan. What about him? You know, Daryl Jordan probably was a late bloomer. He was a six-four kid over at Harrisburg High School. Uh, didn't get recruited coming out of high school. Uh, went to junior college and set out a year. Uh, he, he reminds me a, a lot of, of Jay McInnes in the, from the standpoint that they both were six-four in high school, and then they came. Uh, Jay went to came to Jackson State and set out, and he grew two or three inches. Well, Daryl did the same thing. Uh, you know, in the year that he set out, he went from six-four to six-seven. And it changed his whole basketball game. You're talking about now, instead of being a 6'4 kid that's undersized, uh, now he was 6'7", 210, 215 kid. So he he was just one of those late-blooming kids that, uh, you know, God just blessed him later in his, his career, and he was able to continue to work, and he had a love for the game at 6'4", and, you know, he just got blessed and got the two or three inches once he got to junior college, and it, it made it made him uh, it turn him into a Division One prospect. All right, good stuff. And we're also bringing in Zeke Quinlan, another transfer, 6'7", uh, coming out of uh, Montana State. So what will he give you? You know, Zeke is one of those older kids. Again, you talk about he, he spent two years playing Division One basketball. Uh, he, he can play a, a four or five, so he, he gives us some depth uh, inside with, with, with Darius Hicks and, and Daryl Jordan and, and Jay McInnes. Uh, I think this, is, this will be one of the most athletic back lines that, that we've had since since we've been at, at Jackson State. So I think Zeke is a kid that will bring us some experience, give us some experience, uh, give us some size, uh, another athletic body at 6'7", at, 6'7 at six, seven, six, seven and a half. Uh, and, and like I say, then he'll give us some experience because he's he played uh, Division One basketball at, at Montana State. And you're bringing in a high school signee that a lot of our listeners will be familiar with. Uh, that's Wes Taylor, coming from a winning program up at Olive Branch, six-foot guard. So how excited were you to get him? You know, real excited about Wes. Uh, Wes has been a guy, you know, his, his dad and his uncle, uh, John Taylor and Rod Taylor. Uh, you, you know, a lot of a lot of people from Jackson uh, re- remember them when they, they played at Jackson State and played for Coach Stogman and played with on the teams that had Lindsey Hunt and Ryan Lockers on them uh, back in the day. So uh, Wes, Wes is similar to, 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 to those two, to his dad and to his uncle, you know, 5'11 guy. Uh, a really good high school player coming from Olive Branch. He's, he's a pure point guard, uh, just like his dad. Uh, I think he's a, he's a kid that's going to have a great four-year career. Uh, you know, his mom also ran track at Jackson State. So, you know, he he has some history here. He's been around uh, Jackson uh, all of his life, even though he, he played high school basketball at, at, at Olive Branch. Uh, you know, they played in the state championship game his his, uh, his junior year, and I think they may have won it his sophomore year. So, uh, he, he's a kid that that, that had a great uh, high school career. Uh, I thought Coach Coach uh, Berg did a great job of recruiting him. Uh, got on it early, you know, uh, ninth, maybe ninth grade. And he's he's another Mississippi kid. You know, uh, anytime you can you can add those kids from from Mississippi, you know, I, I think, and then they they come and play for you. I, I think the fan base really enjoy when you can get those guys uh, from Mississippi uh, to come to, to Jackson and play, and especially when they when they can come and they can be successful. 
All right, absolutely. Well, we're definitely uh, looking forward to seeing that class. And as I said, you brought in a lot of size and versatility, but you're also losing the guy who gave you a lot of size and versatility. That's Roland Griffin, obviously a uh, yeah. boxer, boxer second-team All-American, uh, first-team All-Conference, and also SWAC newcomer of the year. He did a lot for you. He was second on the team in scoring and rebounding. So those are some huge shoes to try to fill. What will you be losing with his departure? You know, when Roland came in, and, and I think a lot of people missed that, that Roland only played about, you know, 19 or 20 games. He missed the first 10 or 11 games, and then he came in right off the bat. Maybe uh, when we went to Portland and we actually won a uh, guarantee game over at Portland once he got eligible. So I, I, we felt like, as a, as a coaching staff, we felt like we could have won one or two of the games had he played earlier in the non-conference season. But, you're talking about a kid who could do a lot with the basketball, six, 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 seven kids uh, that could handle the ball, could score. We, we we ran a lot of our offense through him, and he was a mismatch in the league. So we definitely going to miss him. Uh, I don't know if we got a player of that uh, ability, but I think we got we can do it back committed because we got uh, several kids that same size. So I think we got three or four kids that, that, that we'll try to do it uh, back committed. But we definitely will miss Roland Griffin. Absolutely. And uh, even with the loss of Roland, uh, you, you're going to have some battle-tested veterans returning, and you touched on some of them earlier. But I want to start with uh, Tristan Jerry, your leading scorer, second-team all-conference. Where can he improve, or what more can you ask him to do for the team next season? I think I, I, what, what, we, what I've done with Tristan uh, during, during the pandemic is I tried to, to get him on the phone and, and talk to him a lot about uh, things outside of basketball. I think that was the biggest thing with him coming in from junior college. He, he averaged a lot of points. Uh, you know, just his, his mindset of uh, being a leader, of uh, being a, 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 a better teammate, uh, 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 taking better shots in the game, uh, uh, being a better defender in the game. You know, we, we know that he can score. He can, he can score with the best of them. Uh, he led the conference in scoring at about 17 a game, and I'm sure he probably will, will get anywhere from 17 to 20 this year. But, uh, you know, I, I've spent the last four months trying to get to know him better, uh, being that we have not been able to, to see each other, have not been able to practice. So I've spent that last month just just trying to pick his brain and, and see what he, he likes about the team, what he likes about the school, just just trying to figure out some things about him uh, that we probably wouldn't have covered had we been practicing and putting putting time in uh, uh, if, if, if we hadn't had the time off. Right, and you mentioned your big man, Javius McKinney, earlier, SWAC Defensive Player of the Year. He led the team in rebounding, and he led the league in blocks. So what are you challenging him to get better at? And uh, do you think he can be a legit double-double guy for you next season? You know what, I, I think that's, that's something that, that, that uh, you know, talking to him over the last uh, month or so, uh, trying to get him to get his average up a, a couple of points and go from, from maybe 11 points to 13 points and trying to get his rebounding up from 9.7 to, to maybe 10.7. And that, that's, that's the goal that, that he and I said, and we, we, we sat down and, and talked about it throughout the, uh, the last couple of months. Uh, he, he's been running on his own. He's been, uh, you know, I think his mom has been, been getting up and she's been doing some walking, and, and he and his brother have, have been doing some running. So I think they've been getting up in the neighborhood. And that's one of the things that he wanted to improve. He wanted to prove his condition, even though he was – a uh, highly skilled, highly conditioned athlete, I think he wanted to get even better. And uh, one of the things I talked to him about, uh, I remember when the uh, last dance was on, and uh, they had the Dennis Rockman segment, uh, 
Ken, I spent a lot of time dissecting Dennis Rodman, you know, just how he relentless goes after every rebound. And that was something I told him that he needed to focus on because he, he has a motor like a Dennis Rodman where he could get 15, 16, 17, maybe 20 rebounds in some games. And he, he did that on several occasions this past year, had some, a 15 rebound, had an 18, 18 or 19 rebound. But uh, what I challenged him to do is try to see if he can get six or seven of those uh, 15 plus rebound games this year. All right, and last but not least, your uh, your steady hand at point guard, Jonas James. Uh, what do you expect from him now that he has a full year of Division One basketball under his belt? You know, Jonas Jonas came in and he had the luxury of, of having a uh, uh, peanut of Dantella's Ross sitting there, and, and uh, I think we got a lot better once we started playing both of them at the same time. Uh, we we kind of played Jonas at the point and. Uh, kind of move Peanuts off the ball as a defender. And, you know, Jonas is a ball swing guy, a, a quick electrifying guard that can, you know, he does some things that you can't teach, you know, uh, getting the ball off the backboard, getting in transition. Once once he gets headed uh, north to south or south to north, uh, going downhill, uh, he's hard to stop because he's so creative and so fast and so clever with that basketball. Uh, you know, it's a luxury of having a guy that's been in your system, an older guy, uh, that's coming back, uh, you, you know, he knows uh, knows, knows the track, he knows the weight room, he, he, he understands the assistant coaches, the head coaches. So it's, it's going to be a joy to have a guy to have in basketball in his hand and, and knowing that he had a full year of competing uh, in, in our system uh, coming back. But we're looking forward to a, a great year from, from Jonas this, this uh, season. Absolutely, definitely looking forward to that, Coach. But I'll switch gears for just a second here. The racial tension in the country right now has, has sparked a lot of conversation about the possibility of some of those top black high school athletes potentially signing with HBCUs. And several of them have stated potential interest kind of on Twitter and social media, and those HBCU offers started immediately pour, pouring in. Now, you can provide a very unique perspective on this because you've seen it from all three sides of the equation. I mean, you've coached on, on all three levels. High school level, you had the McDonald's All-American from Renardo Sidney early on in his career, and, of course, Malik Newman on down to the four- to five-star type guys like Justin Reed, the late, great Justin Reed. And then you obviously been at the P5 level in the SEC at Ole Miss and now at, a, at an HBC on the SWAC level. So what's your take on, I guess, the chatter as far as uh, the, these athletes potentially signing with HBCU? You know well, you know what I've, I've been telling guys all along for the last 30, 30 years that uh, – it's not hard to do, but it's hard to do. And what I mean by that is, you know, you, you get a lot of talk. And, you know, guys that have, have played who had a chance to do it, once they get finished with their career and they understand that they can't pick up the phone and call their coach where they played, and then they get to thinking that, hey, I should have gone to a black school, uh, but it's too late for that person. And then when they try to look back and try to tell uh, the next kid coming through, the first thing that kid says is, uh, you know, why why did you not do it? And, and that's a big statement. Uh, the thing with me and what I try to share with kids, uh, I, I coached at Provine High School back in the 90s where uh, and, 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 and I, I was fortunate enough to have three guys that were ranked in the top 75 in the country. We all went to Ole Miss. And, you know, everybody said that was the wrong choice. Uh, Ole Miss was, was, was prejudiced and, uh, you know, we didn't need to be going to, to, to Ole Miss. But, that was a situation that that wasn't uh, a popular choice back in the 90s. And then, but when you look at it, you look at three kids 
and a coach from a, from a JPS school that went to Ole Miss, that went to the Sweet 16, uh, that finished number nine in the country, why not go to a, a, a Jackson State or why not go to a HBCU school and put those same same guys on the floor? I, I think what we got to do uh, as coaches, as AAU coaches, as high school coaches, uh, as parents, uh, as athletes, it has to be a group effort. Uh, I don't think uh, it's going to be one kid that, that's going to change the narrative because what's happening is I'm doing a study right now. I'm talking to kids that are ranked in the top 25. I'm talking to guys who played and were McDonald's All-American. I'm, I'm picking their brain. And the one thing that we keep coming up with, they know that one kid can't do it, and that's what they're saying. Coach, I want to do it, but how can I do it? It's just one of me. I can't right. go in there and, and go to Michigan and carry the load. It's too much of a load. So what has to happen is we got to get three or four kids, three or four parents, three or four high school coaches. We got to get a group, and that's where the problem comes in. It's not that hard to convince one kid. It's hard to convince three kids to do it. Got but it. on the flip side, this is what you get. When you do it, it's going to be the first time that it's been done. So you're going to get a book deal. You're going to get a 30 for 30. You're going to sell out all games. You're going to get invited to the preseason NIT tournament. You're going to go to uh, Michigan State and win a game. You're going to uh, preseason. You're going to go to Georgia and win a game because you're going to have kids that look just like they look. And I don't know if it can happen in my career and at the end of my career. Uh, That's something that I want to do once I retire. Uh, I want to get a group and push those kids to do that. If I'm not able to do it in the next couple of years during my career, once I retire, that's, that's my goal, to be to get a group together to be the first to do it and let them understand how powerful a movement and how it can change college basketball. Wow, that is some great insight, and uh, definitely thank you for, for sharing that. And in the meantime, how do you, I guess, balance it as far as potentially recruiting those kids? Do you treat them like the – you know, like the, the, I don't want to say regular kids, but the, the non-star, superstar kids and just put out the offers? Or do you kind of proceed with caution because you don't want to put too much time and resources into uh, recruiting them if you don't know if they're serious or if you have a legitimate shot? So how do you kind of balance that? I think you, you, you have to be realistic about it because at the end of the day, I think people get caught up with getting on the list. And getting on the list gets you fired because getting on the list doesn't come to your school. If a, if a kid has... Let's say he 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 breaks it down like Mario Bland. I was listening to him last night talking. He said his choices came down to Miami and Jackson State. What good did that do Jackson State? Because at the end of the day, Jackson State had to have another player. Now it looks good to the media. It looks good to the fans that it came down to Jackson State. But until he put his name on that dotted line and until he show up and play in that game, that's the only way it's going to benefit the, the HBCU. So. You can't you can't spend all of your time recruiting a kid just to get your name on the list because at the end of the day you still gonna have to go out and get your players that that are gonna come to you and and that you trust and because recruiting is tough and if I'm spending all my time on five with the kids that are, are ranked in the top twenty five and I get on the list of all five of them and all five of them go to a a, a, a team that's ranked a power five team. I don't have anything. So that's the tough part about it. Yes, we want to recruit them. Yes, we want to do the best job we can. Yes, we do want to be on the list. But at the end of the day, the list doesn't win us in games. And we can't spend a lot of time 
not recruiting the guys that we can get, if, if that kind of makes any sense to, to you. Absolutely. makes a lot of sense. And I know the listeners will be, you know, happy to hear this because that's been the topic of discussion. So especially when, the, you know, the HBCUs kind of ended the, the picture. So they were kind of wondering where we stand as far as in that picture. So definitely appreciate that. Now, Coach, can you also talk about your staff, namely Kaysen Burke? I know he's been with you for a while, and he does a lot for the program. So how important has he been for you? No, but well, Kaysen has been there from, from day one. Uh, you're talking about a, a kid that that, that uh, played at Provo High School, so he was a JPS kid and uh, then came to Jackson State and uh, played at Jackson State. I, I think he played, you know, maybe getting registered, so he played he played five years. Then he he may have been, he may have been a grad assistant year for a year, and then he started coaching. I may have started his first year under, uh, you know, Coach Anderson. Uh, so, so he, he's a guy that's been around the program. He knows the landscape of Jackson State. He knows the landscape of Jackson. Uh, uh, he, 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 he understands basketball. He understands recruiting. Uh, you know, I, I took a chance on him when I first came in, a young guy that didn't have very much experience. But, uh, you know, over the last six or seven years, he, he has worked tirelessly uh, 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 recruiting uh, academically, uh, scouting, uh, so he, he he's been a big part of, of our program uh, in the year that that we we've, we've been been at Jackson State. Absolutely, well, definitely great job with him. I've watched him, you know, since he was, you know, since his playing days, and just watched his growth up until now. So you know, that's impressive. So again, great job with with uh, bringing him along and developing him. Now, before I let you go, Coach, I would be remiss if I didn't have you speak a little bit about your friend, Coach Omar Carter, who passed away uh, last month. Now, I know it's not directly related to Jackson State, but he's impacted so many local kids over the past 25 years through the AAU circuit and, of course, NBA hoops. And then some of them went on to play at Jackson State, like a Trey Johnson and a Treshawn Bolden and now even a Darius Hicks. And many of these kids have obviously gone on to play in the NBA. You have Monte Ellis and Rodney Hood, uh, Malik Newman, and uh, Romero Osby. The list goes on. I think Nick Weatherspoon, he just de- declared for the draft. So what did his friendship and, and partnership mean to you? And, and talk about that lasting impact that he's had on the city and state. You know, Omar was, was a guy that uh, I could relate to because uh, there was no smoking, there was no drinking. Uh, he was a guy that was a 5 a.m. in the morning to 12 midnight or whatever time uh, it, it took to get it done. And, and, and that's, that's where we, we developed the relationship over the last 25 years. Was we were two guys, and the only thing we had in our mind was how do we get young men, whether they are from Jackson or whether they are from Meridian or whether they're from the Delta or whether they're from Gulfport or even whether they're from Alabama or Louisiana, how do we get those young guys to reach their dream, reach their goals? And it didn't make a difference whether the kid was coming from a, a one-fan home or two-fan home, whether he had been locked up and he had just gotten out and he needed some help. Uh, whatever it took to, to keep those guys off the street, we were going to use basketball to do it. And we, we shared a lot of the same common goals through basketball, and that's that's what made the relationship so great. I remember uh, the, the last few days of his life, uh, you know, we knew, uh, he and I knew that he, he didn't have very long uh, – you know, once he went to the doctor and they told him, you know, he, he had a couple of months to live, uh, those last two weeks, he was still talking about uh, players. I remember we were talking about Darius Hicks. Darius Hicks was one of the guys who had played with him, and, and uh, you know, he was talking about how, how, how well 
the, the kid would do for us, and, and if I needed him to call him, you know, this, this is a guy that, that only got about two weeks to live. He's still on the phone uh, trying to convince me to take a kid or call a kid or if, if I need him to, to call the kid. So, you know, you know that, that relationship lasted, uh, you know, for 25 years, and it, it never did, did, did go anywhere. So, uh, you know, just, just the thought of, of, of being at Ole Miss and, him bringing kids to Ole Miss and uh, being over at Pine and Wood and him, him sending kids over to Pine and Wood and being over to Callaway and, uh, you know, even at Jackson State, Treshawn Bowden was one of the guys who, who stayed with Omar, uh, you know, when he was at Callaway. He he took him in and he actually lived with him for a period of time uh, to have Tra- Treshawn uh, come to Jackson State and, and still had a relationship with Omar. So uh, he, he did so much for so many kids, whether they – uh, went played for me at Ole Miss or Pinewood or Callaway or, or Jackson State or whether they played at Ole Miss, Mississippi State or Duke or Kansas. He he treated all of them the same, and, and at the end of the day, it was their one ultimate goal to see if uh, how could he help or how could we help that kid reach his potential, reach his goal, and that was to get a Division One scholarship or, or get a, a basketball scholarship to pay for his education. Wow. Great story, uh, you know. Great coach, great man, and a great father figure to those kids. So he will definitely be missed. All right, coach. Uh, last but not least, can you let the Tiger fans know what we can expect from the 2020 and 21 men's basketball Tigers? Your eighth season on the street. You know what? I think that this is a, a very good group, even though we haven't seen them. Uh, you know, normally we would be working out now during during the summer, so. Because of the virus, we, we haven't been able to do that. But just looking at the group, you got six guys coming back who played a uh, very important role uh, uh, from last year. You got three starters, then you got Caleb McCullum, uh, who, we, who we didn't even talk about, who started about 15 games last year, transferred from Texas Southern the year before. Uh, so he'll be coming back. Uh, he was a grad student last year, uh, but he'll be working on his master. So this will be his final year of uh, uh on the floor, but uh, we, when you look at those guys and you look at the recruits, uh, the size and the athleticism that we brought in, and I think we still got one more that we're trying to bring in that we we may get either this week or another long athletic guy, six eight six nine. I think we got a chance to really be good. Uh, I, I think talent-wise, when you look at what we got on paper, we're as good as any team that we've had in the eight, eight years that I've been there. Uh, just about putting it together. But I think that's a group that, that uh, Jackson State fans are going to be really excited about. I think we can push the ball, and I think we can get up and down the floor. I think we're going to be athletic uh, with Jaden on that back line, so it's going to be a lot of love in the, the ball. I think this group may be able to score more better than, you know, uh, the groups that we had. I know we're going to be pretty good on that defensive end, but I think we're going to be able to score also uh, with the guys that we have coming in and the guys that we got coming back. All right, well, that's some exciting stuff, Coach. Uh, definitely good luck next season, and we look forward to seeing you guys pick up where you uh, where you left off last season. All right, appreciate you having me. All right, well, that'll do it for Episode 41 of Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club. Thank you to all of our listeners, and again, be sure to download and subscribe to the podcast. Apple users, rate and review the show. And everyone, follow Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club on Facebook and Tiger Talk 1400 on Twitter. Leave a question or a comment while you're at it, and we'll be sure to read it on air. 
I can't stress the importance of this enough. We're looking to do some big things with this platform to aid the athletics department, and it all starts with you. Downloading, subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show. And tell every Tiger that you know. We're on all podcast outlets. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, and so on. And we'll be posting each episode on our Facebook and Twitter pages. As always, thank you for your support. Go Tigers! Hashtag the I love. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.